Two News Talk Sports 1270 WLBR. Our candidate interviews continue for the seat on Lebanon County's Court of Common Pleas, and we welcome into the studio candidate Megan Ryland Tanner. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, you you passed uh, Donna Bright Bill in the hallway, and I said, "All right, no fighting, you two <laughs> ladies." It has been a very civil and 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 respectful campaign on both sides. I think it has generally, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've had a couple people tell me that it seems like there's not much going on. Well, I mean, it is kind of, uh, you know, the, the whole this whole election cycle seems kind of low-key a little bit. Yeah, I would agree with that, absolutely. How have you been getting the word out about your candidacy? So for me, I've spent a good portion of the campaign door-to-door. I typically go out weekends, you know, Saturdays, Sunday afternoons, even during the week after after work, a couple of us will go out on the weeknights. It's it's more my style, being able to go to people's houses, knocking on their doors, having conversations with them individually. It just, it really fits my personality. So that's pretty much what I've spent most of my time doing. Well, give give our listeners the uh, Megan Ryland Tanner elevator pitch when you knock on the door and they open the door. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that depends. In some ways, uh, I do tend to speak very quickly because, you know, not everybody is excited about you being at their door. Um, But I do try and get at least some general information out. I do have a palm card that I hand out. But typically, I introduce myself. I let them know that I'm running for court of common pleas judge. Um, Now, I'm currently reminding people that Election Day is on coming up quickly on November 7th. 12 days, Megan. I know. It's, it's hard to believe this year went by so fast. But then I typically start out by explaining to them a little bit about my background. Um, I'm a former prosecutor. I was in the district attorney's office for 15 and a half years, which when I say that out loud, sometimes floors me that it was that long. Um, and I'll talk to him about how that was really from October of 2005 um, until recently, about two years ago. And then I just explained to them a little bit about my background um, in the DA's office because during that time frame, I did a lot. You know, we're a small community. So the DA's office, you know, is really I, I imagine that every attorney in there, you you did sort of have a certain focus. I did. With the, with the child abuse cases. But I would think early on in your tenure there, you were probably doing all of the different things. Surprisingly, my focus always ended up being on child abuse and and sex crimes and even some domestic violence Um, that was one of I think the positives for me going into it and what people were really looking for in assistance but you know going into the district attorney's office I jumped in with both feet I was doing a little bit of everything I didn't start out doing you know small misdemeanors I went right in um, to felonies from the very beginning so I did specialize in the areas of child abuse and, and that sort of thing but Throughout my time, I did, I tried over 120 cases, um, probably closer to 175. It's just, it's, there were so many, it was hard to, to really keep track of all of them. But I've tried homicides, robberies, arson case, um, ag assaults, burglaries, you know, DUIs. I've done retail thefts. I've even done indecent exposure cases. So I really had the opportunity to do a little bit of everything, 
And I was also working in the juvenile system. So because of my area of expertise and because it was somewhat of a niche, I was in the juvenile system as well. So we had Act 21 cases, um, and I was managing and handling all of those hearings. And I recognize most people don't understand what Act 21 is, but that really involved um, children who were in the juvenile system for sexual offenses. And as they were beginning to age out, which is at 21, um, there was some concerns about whether or not they were safe to return to the community. There was one one in particular, and this was, I, I came to Lebanon in November of 2001, so I'm okay. thinking like three or four, there was a kid who was going to age out. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, as I recall, I remember at the time, uh, Maury Gingrich was the state one of the state representatives, and I think somehow she was able to, to do something legislatively that, that you could keep that young man... Uh, in treatment or in uh, out of out of regular society. So Lebanon County was the catalyst for Act 21 being created. All of our legislatures were involved in that. It was a really scary experience for a lot was of that, people. Was that the one? Was it, that the it, case? I believe it was, yeah. yes. And so um, we ultimately had that, that legislation passed. And in fact, during my time in the DA's office, I kind of became an expert in the area of Act 21. Lebanon County had more children, more young men, um, civilly committed under Act 21 than any other county in the state. I don't know if that's, you know, something to... I don't know either. uh, ...a record to tout, but it's, you know, I just had this conversation, I think, uh, with Commissioner Mike Coon uh, on the air yesterday in his interview that, uh, you know, some of these these juvenile placements in secure treatment, it's $800 a day. Yes expensive and and they have to be uh housed in these in these juvenile places mm-hmm. um and so you know it, that that is quite a burden on the county economically it absolutely is so but yes yeah, so i had a lot of time working on the act 21 matters um you know we did everything from working with law enforcement in the investigative phase we handled the cases all the way through the the appellate work as well so so how do you parlay that experience into sitting on the bench now and overseeing other cases that deal with these issues. So two of the biggest caseloads that come through our county courthouse consistently are criminal matters and custody cases. I think that when you look at my experience, my background, that I have the most experience in those two areas. You know, serving as a prosecutor, as has I've done it all. Um, in the area of criminal work. Uh, Before I became a prosecutor, when I first came out of law school, the court was even appointing me to juvenile and adult matters as court-appointed defense counsel. So I have that consistent 22 years, basically, of working in the criminal system. I was court-appointed in June of 2003 as a custody conciliator by then-Judge Eby and then continued through that appointment, even when Judge Tilwalk took over as president judge, up and until the end of January of, of this year. So for 19 and a half years, I was a court-appointed custody conciliator. People would come to us first. Uh, you know, we would try to resolve the case outside of the courtroom if we could to help families avoid that litigation. But during that 19 and a half years, at times I would hold hearings, make recommendations and issue opinions. I would meet with the families and try and help them mediate resolutions. Um, but consistently always putting that information out there. And it was a quasi-judicial role and working with the, 
the community to try and, and help people with that process. I mean, some of the cases I was involved even went up to Superior Court. Okay. Let's head to the phones. 273-1270. 717, of course. 273-1270. Questions for Megan. Oh, we just lost him. <laughs> Darn it. Oh, wait. No, there it is. Uh, for Megan Ryland Tanner, uh, your calls are welcome. Hello to you. Hello. You're on with Megan Ryland Tanner. Hello, how are you? Hi, Megan, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Good morning. Okay, you're on. What's your, what, what's your question? Sure, my question today is, Megan, I understand you recently changed your registration in the election. Who did you vote for in the 2016 election? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? I don't know what that has to do with judges. So I, I, I don't know what you mean by recently changed my, my party registration. I mean, that was some years back. Um, you know, I tend to think that politics doesn't belong in the courtroom, and I've spent most of my career trying to follow that rule throughout the the legal system. And then running for Court of Common Pleas judge, I really have focused and spent a lot of time talking to people about the fact that I'm not beholden to any particular political group or party or lobbyist group and that it's all about being fair and impartial. So I'm not really sure where um, my voting comes into play. Uh, It seems like it's somewhat of a setup question, frankly. Uh, I don't know that I'm comfortable answering that. Okay, we'll we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. And hello, you're next. Hi, I have a question for Megan. Okay. Um, I received a mailer from you uh, this week stating that you're the best Republican choice <clears throat> for candidate, mm-hmm. but you are also uh, on the Democratic ballot, I believe. I remember when you were a member of the Lebanon County Democratic Committee. I Why the switch? Why are we now pretending to be a Republican? So it's, it's not pretending. Um, you know, again, I, I find it... Uh, interesting that we're bringing politics into the court of common pleas but you know when I was graduating from high school in 1992 and I registered I registered as a Democrat Um, I believe I held a lot of the Democrat beliefs back then I felt like I aligned more with that particular party Uh, times have changed the parties have changed And much like some of our former presidents, like Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump, I ultimately decided that my opinions and beliefs changed. You know, I matured. Being in the DA's office, I saw and heard a lot. I'm a mother of three. Uh, You know, I'm not living at home anymore. I'm married. I have my own house, my own, all of that thing. So I just, you change and you evolve as a person. Like it it kind of is what it is. Well, you know, the the thing that's interesting is in these judicial elections, school board elections, um, frankly, I I think it ought to be the case in the district attorney's office as well, uh, district attorney candidates. I think there should be cross-filing or it should just be an open you know, I don't know what the what the right uh, term is in terms of the voting system, but I mean, I, I don't think it should be a party affiliated role because I don't think the administration of justice is, uh, you know, should be determined by a political viewpoint. It absolutely shouldn't be. We're not there to make rules. We're not there to legislate from the bench. The rules are in place. We have the U.S., the Pennsylvania constitutions that we're required to follow and uphold. Um, and, you know, 
when you think about it and you bring politics into the courtroom, really quickly people start to lose faith in the system. They believe they're not getting a fair chance. They're not being heard. And, you know, I spent a lot of time over the last few months during this campaign just stressing to people that my political opinions, my views, even my religious opinions and views, they really don't matter and shouldn't come into the courtroom. And it would be unfair for me to impose my personal opinions and beliefs on others. We have the rules. We have the laws. And it would be my job to enforce those and apply well, them. Well, let me, I, well, I don't know. It's, I, I always, I tread so lightly because it's so hard to, to interview judicial candidates. It is. Um, but, you know, along those lines, that there are some times when some religious practices do then encroach upon the actual law of the land. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, we had a case where a, a child died because her parents prayed over her rather than taking her to get a doctor's visit and antibiotics. Um, and, you know, so, and and that person, those those people were were charged. Absolutely, there are there are some of you know the other religions that practice have certain practices uh, that don't comport with some of the laws related to uh, you know um, sexual consent and and those sorts of things. Correct, but really, what I'm saying is that I shouldn't bring my personal beliefs and opinions into the courtroom and make other people follow those same beliefs and opinions. It's really what is the current status of the law and applying that to the facts that are presented in front of me. You know, I have a very strong faith. I'm, I was born and raised in the Lutheran Church. I attended Holy Trinity Lutheran Church on Lehman Street my entire life. Um, but that's not for me to shove down anyone's throat, especially inside the courtroom. Is that when candidates in your in in races like yours say i will not legislate from the bench is that what you're talking about i am yes because again you have harrisburg and you have dc they're the ones who are in place and they're the ones who are elected to make the laws my job is to apply the laws to the facts that come in front of me as a judge so the the caller who indicated that they received a mailer and it said you're the best republic i mean was that the verbiage that you used uh i believe it's on the first mailer it's something to that effect absolutely i am a registered republican and it's it's interesting because throughout the course of this election you know there's been discussion on on various mailers about party affiliation and that sort of thing and and i do feel very strongly about making sure that people understand my registered party because there's a lot of questions about that and I don't want people to believe that I'm hiding anything from them so it is a common conversation where I explain to people listen I am a registered Republican but you but you are on the Democratic ballot I am because I cross-filed so you know part of the reason I cross-filed was because I believe so strongly in the fact that a court of common pleas judge represents the laws, represents the entire community. We're not there to make laws. So politics really shouldn't come into play. So as a result, though, I don't want anyone on the Democratic side thinking I'm trying to hide who I am. And I don't want anyone on the Republican side thinking I'm trying to hide who I am because I'm not. Um, And, you know, if party affiliation is important to someone, who am I to say you don't have the right to know that? So I make it a point to have that conversation with people. This is what I'm registered as, you know, but because of my beliefs is as it relates to the court of common pleas level, this is what I did. And you're going to see me on the, the Democratic ticket. Okay. Back to the phones for Megan Ryland Tanner. And hello, you're next. 
Okay. Hi, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, I was just calling to say thank you to Miss Tanner for helping me um, put my abuser behind bars when she was still the district attorney or the assistant district attorney when for Lebanon County. Well, I, I, I appreciate the call, although my guess is you did more of the work. I just helped you tell your story. Uh, no, you guys did a pretty good bit of legwork. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that, I'm a sure sat- he did. A satisfied customer. <laughs> yes. Well, it, well, it and I look forward to hoping that I will be voting for you in November, and I hope you get the election. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you calling in and uh, your comments there. I did want to ask you, because I, I did ask uh, Donna Long-Brightbill this question, too, uh, and and... It goes without saying that one or the other of you is going to win this election, and you are then going to kind of carve out a little niche in Lebanon County history because you would be the first elected Court of Common Pleas judge, woman, uh, yes. Court of Common Exciting. Pleas judge. Um, you know, what does that say to you? What? Uh, how do you uh, look at that and that role that you would have? I mean, is there? Would you try to uh, engage more women into the law and into careers that are still very male dominated? You know, do you feel like you have some sort of responsibility because you would be the first female judge? Well, I've always felt that I've had a responsibility as a woman to behave and act as a certain way, especially since I have two daughters. So I do think that, you know, the fact that we're finally getting into a position where we have the first female judge, that's a big step for us. And, you know, I I think that the, the current judges that are sitting are in some ways excited to have that female perspective because we are, we're different, you know, men and women are different. We're meant to complement each other. Um, and, I think it's going to be a really good thing. And, and in some ways, do I think people are going to be watching us closely? Probably. Um, but I think as long as we do what we're meant to do, we, you know, we follow the rules, we apply the laws, we follow, adhere to the, you know, the ethics and the standards that, that are in place for us, I don't have any doubts that we'll be able to move forward in an appropriate fashion. Well, are, are you suggesting that the way you would... Um handle the 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 conveyance of a of a trial would be different than judge tilwalk or uh judge jones because you're a woman not necessarily but just as a whole we have different we see things differently i mean individually we all see things differently too but you know having the perspective of being female and coming up through the system and what it's been like to practice um i i do think that to a certain degree it's it's different you know I, one of the things that people always told me early on in my career was as a female, you're not necessarily going to be taken as seriously or be as believable as your male counterparts, um, that you may have to work harder. And sometimes that was true, but for the most part it wasn't. But I think that that will always be something that as a female that we're, we have to address and we have to be aware of. Yeah. You're it right. Just is what it is. Well, and and, that, and that's and that's kind of why I I asked the question, and maybe I didn't ask it as succinctly as you put it. But the fact that you know that that there is uh, this whole 
lore of being a woman in a very male dominated profession. I understand that very well <laughs> around in, in my in my uh, profession as well. I understand that. So um, I want I, I feel like sometimes I I have a special responsibility to uh, maybe go above and beyond, not necessarily to prove myself to others, but to show other young people, other young women, you know, what, what is possible and what can be done and how to, how to comport yourself, uh, you know, absolutely in these things. And I just wonder if that in, in that capacity, would you uh, feel as though you would need to do the same? I've, I've been doing that. I, I can't imagine that I would stop simply by becoming a court of common pleas judge. I, I'm confident that it's the way I would continue to move forward. I mean, I did that when I was in the district attorney's office. I felt like I had a certain obligation um, to reach out and, and hold myself out uh, in a certain manner. So I, I'm confident that I'm going to continue to do so. When you look at the, the Lebanon County judicial system, are there are there things that you feel like uh, the, the county needs to you know get on board with or, or and I don't know if that means in a technological sense or in a human personnel sense or uh, or the way in which the, the the cases are docketed I'm you know whatever do, do you feel like Lebanon County holds its own or are there things you would love to see improved and that, and that maybe in a position as a judge you might be able to help facilitate I will say technology wise I've Knowing how some of the courtrooms in Lancaster County and Dauphin County are set up, um, it would be fantastic if we could have a better system in place. With that being said, we're an old building. I don't know mechanically if it's possible to have the tech put in place. I don't know that we have the funding within the county to, you know, all of the technology, but it, it certainly would be beneficial to us. Now, I will also say, though, you know, generally speaking, having been born and raised in Lebanon County, uh, typically we all hate change. <laughs> well, it but- seems like we're very resistant to change. Um, I, you know, I can be just as guilty as the next person, um, but I, I do think it's important that we try to challenge ourselves and try to look at other places and are they doing things better and more efficiently than we are? Is there a way that we can be better at what we do? And, and do, I, do you think we're expeditious enough in uh, shepherding cases through the system? I do. I think that compared to other counties, our judges are far more conscious and concerned about moving cases through the system quickly and not letting them wall and drag on for years. Um, you know, there was a period of time during my years in the district attorney's office where we were adding extra weeks of trial terms on just because we wanted to keep the caseload moving. Um, I know that there are people within other counties in the criminal setting where it might take two to three years for a case to even make it to a jury trial. We were averaging 12 months, maybe 18 max. So I think in that sense, we definitely move things through efficiently and that's a good thing yeah uh but but it is still a heavy lift to day in and day out i mean anybody who gets the 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 daily calendar it's like there's a lot going on it absolutely is and you know our judges are not slouches they are working 
and, and I saw it firsthand. Yeah, and I, and there's a lot of you know research work and writing and composing these these rulings and and things for appeals and all all, all that sort of thing. Absolutely, in jury trials. I mean, if you have a jury trial and the jury's out deliberating, you don't say, "Oh, it's four thirty, five o'clock. It's time to go home." You stay until they reach a verdict. I mean, there were plenty of nights that I was in the DA's office till 8, 9, 10 o'clock waiting for a verdict. There were plenty of nights where I was in the DA's office till midnight working on trial prep, briefs, things like that. And sometimes when I would leave, one of the judges was also leaving. So, you know, you saw them staying late, coming in early to get the work done. You just, you put the time in. Does the county need more judges? I mean, I don't know how that's allocated, but but you're going to fill an existing spot. But but once that complement is filled, would would it be better to have another judge? So I can say this: many years ago, so my son is now twelve. It was right around the time frame where I was either pregnant with Will or just had him. There was a study that came into our county that I was part of because I was a court-appointed custody conciliator. And the state system was working on it. And based off of those that time frame, we had enough of a caseload and enough going on that we could have had another one and a half judges added to the bench in order to handle the case flow. So could we use an extra judge? I'm confident it wouldn't hurt for us to have an extra judge, but it doesn't mean that we're not able to still do the work and get it done. It just means you have to put the time in, and you, that may mean you're working late. That may mean you're working on weekends, and it, it just is what it is. got to do it to get it done. Did you always want to be a judge? Was that, was that always an end goal? No. <laughs> I didn't. At one point, I was like, I would never want that job. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of funny how it kind of evolved. It, you know, working in the, the courthouse as often as I was and being there every day, it just, again, I got older, I matured, things changed, it just evolved. And at one point, it seemed like a natural next step for me. And here I am. And so what will, what do you view as, you know, your number one priority should you be elected judge? What, what, what would that be? just getting in and helping get that transition as quickly and smoothly as possible. You know, there's a school that you have to attend after you're elected um, and and that sort of thing, but I know that we're down, you know, to a certain degree a judge. Judge Klein is back as a senior judge and he's, you know, pitching in and helping out, but being able to step in and help take some of the load off of the other three I recognize is going to be beneficial. So it's just a matter of getting in there and just jumping in and doing the best that I possibly can as quickly as I can. Well, and I I probably already know the answer to this, but I'll ask the question anyway. Do you feel like you'll be able to hit the ground running should you be elected? I do. And, you know, again, I think my background is really has me well suited for walking into it. You know, having been a custody conciliator and making some of those judgment calls already, having the mediation background, um, and I'm, I'm the only of the two candidates, the only one trained in mediation, having the ability to step in and help the court out in that sense is important. I have the criminal law background and so much has gone on in the last 22 years that I've been practicing in criminal law and it continues to transform. But I certainly have that background. And then civilly, I have a lot of civil experience. I started out in civil practice when I came out of law school. I've been back in for a little over two years. So I have the civil litigation. I have state work, family law, business, 
employment law. I have all sorts of backgrounds. So I think that I'm able to have a well-rounded knowledge that I can step in and really jump into most of our caseload. Okay. Uh, The last 30 seconds uh, is yours, Megan Ryland Tanner. All right. Well, thank you. So I I think, again, it's important for me to just reiterate that um, I'm not beholden to any type of group, party, lobbyist. I truly believe that it is so important that any judge who walks into the Court of Common Pleas is fair and impartial, listening to everybody, hearing the facts, applying the law. Um, My experience, my background for the last 22 years really makes me the best option and the best candidate. I have the most experience in the two major caseloads that come through our county. And I would just ask for your vote. Very good. Megan Ryland Tanner, thank you very much for your time.